in a startup. You can spend hours and weeks and months thinking like big grandiose thoughts. You really just got to do something. Mm. Um, so it's really satisfying seeing stuff happen. But it's much, you know, it's not a job. It's a, it's a lifestyle. Maybe this is like a me thing rather than a founder thing. But I feel really bad giving the tedious jobs to other people in the team. And so I kind of end up doing a lot of those. And then you're like, okay, cool, we've got a plan, we're going to do it. And yeah. then you get started, and within about 20 minutes of getting started, you're like, well, this doesn't work. <laughs> it's not like this sexy job that I think people think it is. So this is Vulnerable, the first founder mental health podcast powered by Founders Taboo. Let's get into it. Welcome. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I have just come off the back of an hour-long pitch, and so I'm like... Half wired and half asleep. Really? Yeah, good luck. Coffee? You're a big no, coffee drinker? I am a big coffee drinker, but yeah, I, me too. I have to stop at lunchtime, otherwise it gets out of hand. I stop at 11, yeah. 11? Yeah. Oh, he's aggressive. Oh, I mean, I got really into my into my sleep during lockdown, like a bit overly. So, well, I don't think you can be overly into your sleep. Like, it's If I don't sleep, like my mental health's in the toilet. Um, That's reasonable. I'm not a good sleeper, so I think I just... Avoid caffeine. How many hours did you do a day? I mean, last night I did five. No way. Yeah. Not on purpose. It just happened. Really? Yeah. Why? Mm. That actually was my wife's fault. She she was uh, working till like 2am. Really? So I just kept working and then realised it was half past midnight. Wow. Decided I should probably go to bed. What does she do? She's a consultant for an Those, American firm. Oh, which one? Uh, she wouldn't want me to say. Oh, gosh. I know. Wow. Actually, why did I say that? I don't I know, that's all. That. It's literally on LinkedIn. McKinsey, Bain, BCG, something like that? No, Alex Partners. Oh, okay. Like that, that kettle of fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used to recruit those fuckers. <coughs> They're not fuckers. <laughs> you feel good about that now, don't you? Do, do you know what? Some of my... I, I, I still speak to a hell of a lot of those old candidates who are, who are just the most amazing people. They're some of the smartest human beings I know. Um, and they are great. Um, so, yes. Um, they well, do work hard. They do. Uh, yeah, I mean, brutal. They work as hard as us. Mm, yeah, it's true. I'd I mean, say harder, actually. We're sat here at quarter to one, having basically fucked around for the last hour. Well, you haven't. You've been pitching. I've been fucking around for the last hour. Actually, I'm on holiday. Today? Mm. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm on... Uh, what are you doing with it? Apart from this... So this is a plugged for Unplugged. Um, uh -huh. Next week, they invited me and my fiance Abby to go down to the New Forest and stay in one of their cabins for three days. Very nice. Really nice. So that is kind of my real holiday. So this is just like a warm-up. I, I, so in full transparency, and this is really good for this podcast as well, on Tuesday, I was looking, this week, I was looking at my computer my laptop um not actually being able to do anything and i was like a fucking zombie yeah and i said to my co-founder i said I, I don't feel good and i need to stop i just there is no point in me saying i'm doing nothing yeah like this company runs itself without me which is a kind of a good thing but also a weird thing um it's a strange dynamic yeah it is yeah and but I really, I feel burnt out. 
we've been fundraising and uh, fundraising's as you know we'll come on to that in a sec but it's like it's brutal um when it's when it's in this kind of market it's brutal yeah um and so yeah i i just said to him on tuesday i was like i'm gonna take some time off and he said when do you want to go i was like can i go tomorrow <laughs> and he was like well uh yeah 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 you can yeah so he was like well, it's your company i was like cool thank you so wednesday i did a call in the morning and then afternoon i was on holiday it's great i know and i've done absolutely bugger all it's been, I don't know what it's been amazing i just like i've been to the gym i've kind of done some wedding admin which is painful i was gonna say not sat in front of a laptop but no probably i have been, did yeah, yeah yeah i met, quite a, lot of laptop I met time. a prospective chairman for the company yesterday uh which is cool went for lunch with him um so my definition of not working is kind of like not being in front of my can actually not being just sat in the yeah, office yeah yeah, yeah yeah and just yeah and just being able to kind of just have some space and think um, that's all right and i'm actually really excited to go to on, on this unplugged retreat next week because i'm just going to take a pen and paper when do you go monday i think it'd be really fun yeah, i really yeah, want yeah. to do one yeah 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 um it's uh have you been before no no i think they tapped me up because of my my linkedin stuff well because i'm going to post about it hashtag influencer be not mate <laughs> wow i am not Big moment. <laughs> you can try but to be fair though i have had an uptake in it's a really weird thing i've spent my life looking down on influencers going Ugh. and then now my following on linkedin's grown i've had more and more companies get in touch be like can we send you something and i'm like yes yes yeah, bring yes. it here yeah, yeah yeah bring it send me it so i've had yeah a couple of Beer, non-alcoholic beer companies send stuff my way. Oh, yeah, I saw that post. Yeah, um, Elite Cereal send some stuff my way. Um, is this you angling for an honest mobile SIM card? It is. Actually, that was something I wanted to talk to you about. I'm going to be, apparently, well, my brother literally called me this morning. I'm pointing at the floor because that's where my phone <laughs> is, by the way. My brother who lives <laughs> yeah. down here. My brother who's just down there. Um, he... He called me this morning going, O2's up for your renewal because it's been going through my family company and it's 60 quid a month. And I was like, nah, can't do it. So I think we're going to buy the phone outright and go through, go for you, go with you guys. Music to my ears. That's what I want to do. You should use my referral code. How much is it? How much? Oh, Nick off? wants you to plug it. Nick wanted you to plug his. Nick Telson. Yeah. Oh my God. Nick, um, what is his referral code? I actually don't know. I think it's Nick Telson 25 for anybody who's interested. No, it's something ridiculous like Nick Telson 1594 as though there's 1593 other It is, you're right, because you made that joke in the comment on the reply. I'm very funny. Stop outing sorry, my sorry, reuse sorry. of a joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, if we could find that referral code. Nick is going to be devastated when he hears this he section. Is, yeah. He's going to be like, you fucking... I can't won't. believe you spent 10 minutes talking about my referral code. You forgot me, you twats. <laughs> sorry. Um, Hang on, I have actually got it. Amazing. Nick Telson, 1547. And how much does that get people off? Gets you two months free and it gets him an extra percent off. Really? Yeah. Wow. I know. Amazing. Like I'll 120 quid on it too. Will I get a referral code as well? Yeah. Amazing. Everyone does. Cool. You'll have a number at the end that makes it look like there's 7,403 <laughs> of you as well. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, cool. Um, that's really exciting. 
Well, yeah, I'm I'm looking to sign myself and my fiance up actually, because uh, we've kind of come to the end of our tethers towards O2 and. Uh, we do and Vodafone. We ran the numbers, and I was like, "Why are we paying an extra four hundred quid? It's really expensive. Really expensive. I also want to do sixty quid a month for a ugh, brand new iPhone, which is going to break anyway in two years. <clears throat> You'll be fine. Switch. Oh, well, yeah. And oh, we well. want to do a partnership with Unplugged, where we give you free line rental whilst you're on on your retreat. <laughs> Brilliant. I think it'd be a great little touch. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, Andy, we haven't just come come here to fuck around, even though it sounds like that for the first. Eight minutes and forty-two seconds of this podcast episode. Really depends how much you edit it. I know. Uh, I Hopefully never, a lot. I never edit it. Edit these episodes. Wonderful. Yeah, um, I quite like them raw, um, in a non-sexual way. I'm um, not sure if people get what they're wanting <laughs> from this episode. Um, you have a very interesting company. It is rare. There, there is a select few amount of companies who really take on the big guns across a few industries. Um, and I'm talking about like, I'm thinking of brands like nothing moving into headphones and now phones, you guys really trying to ruffle feathers within telco. Um, you were at Deloitte, right? For 10 years as a strategy consultant. Yeah. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. Um, slightly different world now. Okay. I, um, so I, I trained as an accountant there, which was not the most exciting thing I've ever done, but it was good training. And bizarrely spent about five years working on a telecoms project. Really? Which was also not that exciting, but it turns out really helpful if you run a mobile network. Yeah. Um, and then set up a team at Deloitte that just worked with startups. So really? kind of got a taste of startup life, I suppose. And decided to leave because running a startup inside of corporates difficult. Mm. that's the it is difficult um, there's lots of different tensions and things you're given a bit things. of money but there's fuck tons of bureaucracy basically yeah there's a lot of bureaucracy that's, yeah. that's correct mm. um, so I decided to leave at the end of 2018 set up honest with an old school friend of mine um, and yeah it's very different to corporate life um, How did you find the transition? Because do you know what? There, are, I know so many, so many ex strategy consultants who do make this transition, and don't talk about how hard they find it because it is almost the complete opposite worlds. Yeah, it's the complete opposite, and I guess I like that because I get to do things mm. in a consultingy type job. Mm. Spend a lot of time thinking about stuff that would be a good idea for someone else to do. And then you kind of hand it to someone and watch nothing happen. Sometimes. Sometimes great things happen, don't get me wrong. Um, whereas in a startup, you can spend hours and weeks and months thinking like big grandiose thoughts. You really just got to do something. Mm. Um, so it's really satisfying seeing stuff happen. But it's much, you know, it's not a job. It's a, it's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I should, I should coin that slogan. Um, so, you know, it's completely different. How like, did you find the transition? Uh, I found it great. Really, I really enjoyed it. I really do enjoy it still. Um, but you can't think of it as like a. Oh, it's the end of the day. I'm going to switch off. Like I still do customer support at 11 p.m. at night. I work 
seven days a week. Uh, even when I'm off, um, you know, I do, I do the tech stuff, uh, in the business. And so if something goes wrong, I, most of the time I need to fix it. Yeah. Um, and so it's really hard to switch off. Like even if I'm on holiday or something, like I kind of have that back of mind that you know, that's, that's still hair. A bit like you were saying, kind of the core business. A lot of it runs itself. There's stuff we could improve every day. But um, there's there's a few things that if they go wrong, I know that I have to go and fix it. Really? Um, it's all right. I'm okay with that. Um, but it's not a like, you can't kid yourself that it's a nine to five or a easy choice. Mm. I am... Um... I'm really excited to actually go into the nitty gritty of building of how you started building a challenger telecoms company because it is so different. <laughs> it's basically like Monzo back in day, right? Taking on the banks. That is essentially what you've done with Honest Mobile. Because there was there is no other I haven't come across really any big challengers who are like, we're actually taking on the status quo. Yes, there's other players. There's like, there's GifGaf, there's Tesco Mobile, there's those kind of like cheaper, cheaper guys, basically. Um, the market kind of divides itself in two. So there's the people you were talking about earlier, O2 or Vodafone or whoever who wants to charge you quite a lot of money generally. Mm. Um, and wants you to be there for 24 months and wants you to have an iPhone 14 Pro this year and an iPhone 15 Pro next year. Um, and then there's people who have this realisation that they're spending £100 a month and that's quite a lot of money. Mm. Um, and so they think, hey, I could switch to Tesco or GiftGaff or Smarty or Superdrug Mobile. Um, and they save some money, but then suddenly they realise there's no customer support team they are on the wrong plan, it doesn't work, they don't get 5G. And it's kind of like there's just this horrible compromise um, and the customer support is still rubbish. Mm. So we figured there was a really great spot in the middle to offer people just a better experience. Mm. And I think there's this perception, and you're kind of touching on it, that like it's really complicated or that it's like super high tech and like really complex. And it's actually the opposite. It's all like still runs on technology from the 1980s. Really? And so like there's, there's like, when we were getting set up, people were like, oh yeah, if you send us your billing records on a magnetic tape in the post once a week, we were like, what? I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to send you something in the post. I don't, and they were like, yeah, so you send it to us in the post and then we'll process it and then we'll send everyone a paper bill. No way. Yeah. And that was like. Genuinely. Um, Genuinely. So, Genuinely true story. So like I, I'm kind of a geek, but I'm a self-taught coder. And so I built the stuff we've done. Um, and that horrifies some people. Um, <laughs> and they're entitled to that opinion. Um, <laughs> then you compare us to EE and you're like, oh my God, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, we originally we assumed that it was going to be really complicated and we were going to need to pay someone a lot of money to like decide how much your bill should be. You know, if you phone a phone number in Azerbaijan, we need to check who you phoned and how much it costs. And we need to speak to their network and say, hey, how long were they on the phone? And they need to tell us. And it sounds 
quite complicated when you do that millions of times a day. Mm. And so we're like, oh yeah, we'll pay someone to do that. That's, that's a good idea. Um, and we spoke to three different companies and the most expensive of them, bearing in mind at this point, we have raised no money. We're running the business off a credit card. Uh, really? The most expensive one was like, yeah, it'd be about £750,000 and we can set that up for you. And yeah, you can send us, uh, you know, the, the record of everyone's calls on a magnetic tape once a week and we'll process them and then we'll send out a paper bill. And I was like, but we want to send people a Bush notification. We want to say, hey, you just use loaded data. Did you think you're on Wi-Fi? Um, and they were like, oh, you can't do that. No one else does that. Why would you do that? Like, that's the whole fucking point. Like, it's rubbish. And so we spoke to another company and they were like 50 grand for the same thing. So the 750 is a <laughs> probably larger number than it needed to be. Um, I don't know why they thought we had that much money. Um, but they said the same thing. They were like, yeah, yeah, send us your call records on week on a magnetic tape. That's just, it's like what everyone does. I don't get it. It's insane. Um, and it's one of those industries that like, in the last 30 years, we've gone from like having a Nokia 3210, literally. No, actually 30 years ago, it was like a Nokia 2210. It was like a proper brick. Yeah. To a phone with a 8K camera in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That can record at like a million frames a second. And we've gone from like 2G where you used to use WAP and you could get like the horse results on your phone <laughs> if you scrolled yeah. through to you can watch a 4K Netflix movie whilst you're walking along Shoreditch High Street. Yeah. But the bit in the middle, the like bit where you have to talk to someone in custom sport when your network yeah. goes wrong or like you go on holiday to France and you get back to a 200 pound bill, that's just not changed. And it's unbelievable. And I, yeah, I guess that's the crux of and, what we're trying to do. How do you see that check? Because you've not, as far as I know, you're, you're still, well, you are piggybacking on other networks, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so at the end of the day, you're slightly limited i have almost zero i've probably got one percent knowledge in telco great so talk to me like i'm a complete idiot um, which i genuinely am anyway but you're that's probably where i meant to say no not at all <laughs> <laughs> no not at all brilliant <laughs> not great um, my cues so. no 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 don't worry don't worry uh, at least we're not on whatsapp that's fine. Um, <laughs> um yeah so like my very limited knowledge of telco, you're piggybacking off one of the big networks, right? Yeah, so we piggyback, most of our customers piggyback on three. Hey, can I ask a massive favor? Can you subscribe to this podcast right now, if you haven't already? Your subscribes, your sharing, your liking, your commenting all over social media is increasing our reach. And it's meaning that founders out there know it's okay to talk about their mental health. Thank you. Vulnerable, a Founders 3 podcast has been created to raise awareness on the highs, lows and taboos of the founder journey, to amplify the raw and unfiltered stories of founders and to remind those listening that they are not alone. Founders Taboo is a movement dedicated to improving access to support for founders' mental health and well-being in order to build a healthier startup ecosystem as a whole. Entrepreneurship is undeniably hard, but it doesn't have to cause hardship. We know that entrepreneurship is often lonely, but it doesn't have to be. Our support includes a safe space to take off the mask and interact with fellow founders in a free online community. You can access hundreds of psychologically informed resources and exercises to build up your mental health literacy. 
You can source and connect with startup and well-being professionals. You can participate in live support sessions, attend retreats, and much more. We want to promote mindfulness and entrepreneurship, harmony rather than conflict between health and building a business. And this all starts with speaking out and breaking some taboos. Join the movement. All founders are welcome. Follow us on LinkedIn to keep up to date and get involved. So you have, there is a limit, there is a kind of barrier at, which is out of your control. Or there's an area out of your control when it comes to building telco. Yes, there is an area outside of our control. And so if you like go back to the Monzo analogy, mm. you know, they still, and actually Monzo really pushed the barriers on this, but um, you know, they still have to rely on payment interchanges that exist with other banks. So like they still have to use the faster payments infrastructure, for instance. Um, we have to use the three infrastructure and we don't get me wrong. Like it'd be quite fun to build our own infrastructure, but that would involve building like literally 15,000 metal towers around the UK to stick aerials on and licensing spectrum from the government. And, you know, that's billions of pounds. And it's also like stupid for a number of reasons, but why one of are you reinventing is, the wheel? Of course. But, and also it's like completely unsustainable in yeah. like a, in the sustainability sense of the word sustainable. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like the infrastructure is already there. Um, so we can just make better use of it. But there is stuff that we'd like to be able to do that we just can't um, at the moment. But as we grow, you know, we can poke and prod and cajole and ask them nicely or not so nicely to do things for us. And I guess our view is that a bit like in broadband, uh, no, energy is probably a better example, a bit like in energy you know, there's, there's the national grid. They build the wires. Mm. Um, our view is that mobile, someone needs to build the masts. Don't get me wrong. But the, that person that builds the masts doesn't need to be the same person that looks after you. Yeah. Because it's pretty unlikely that you're going to be great at physical engineering and planning policy and also looking after a consumer. They're just, they're not the same thing. No. Um but yeah, so it's, and it's also quite weird that you're like competing with your own supply chain, mm. um, which, which at the moment we're small enough that, uh, no one's getting too upset, but there's obviously a tension as you grow, um, when that is how your business runs. Mm. Um, but that's all right. Mm. So they actually, the big networks quite like big wholesale customers because we do all the marketing, we do all the customer support and they just get to do the masts, which mm. they're Actually, all right. Mm. In the early part of building Honest Mode, what was the, what were the hard parts? Like, I'm talking for you mentally and personally, like thinking, "Fuck, this is a huge mountain to climb here." So I guess it was never the like, it was never the intimidation of the mountain. It was all the, it was the smaller stuff. Like, I've never been like massive on social media. And, you know, the first time we did a post and someone was like, "Your shit." Just like take it really personally. Yeah, do you? Um, well, of everybody does. Um, yeah. And it was like it wasn't aimed at me. It was aimed at this like nebulous brand over there called Honest Mobile that we'd posted. And like it was really weird having yeah someone just say your shit, and you're like, I've tried really hard. Like this is. <laughs> everything I've been doing for six months and your entire contribution to the conversation is your shit um and yeah to start I took it really personally like it was yeah like really really hard and now 
uh, I, I don't know if it's thick skin or uh, pragmatism or, well, I guess it's whatever self-preservation mechanisms you have. Um, experience. Experience. Also to have someone else who mostly looks at the social comments. Yeah, yeah. Um, so don't see all of them. There was one actually from that. where I, there was a video of me. <laughs> what did they say? Oh, it was horrible. Um, I can't actually remember what they say, but it was just me talking to camera that we ran as an ad for a while. Right. And there were a lot of comments that were just like, he's a prick. <laughs> and you're like, good. Wow. <laughs> it's going really well. Yeah, cheers. Thank you. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we've we've always tried to have this kind of like, what, well, not tried, we are like a really positive brand and like we try mm. not to get into like pissing matches with people. Um, but as we've launched on TikTok, um, the like, the general consensus is you should be can be and should be quite a lot cheekier um and so it's mm. not quite fun um replying to those comments that are just like you're a prick mm. like thank you yeah <laughs> very grateful the um, brands that now do give cheeky responses and are just they actually fight back other one like ryanair's absolute genius had it yeah uh, we were watching the ryanair one yesterday um but yeah the like yeah tricky stuff was definitely that um then I guess that like level of personal responsibility you feel mm. for um, like so, someone's given you their money to make their phone work and stuff does go wrong, obviously. Um, and I, I remember one specific guy who was like absolutely fuming and he was phoning us like every 10 seconds complaining and swearing and uh, his phone wasn't working and like, I get that that's annoying, obviously. Um, and <laughs> predictably we were trying quite hard to get his phone to work. That was, that was what we were trying to do. Um, it was also a time where it was just me and Josh. And so when one of us was on the phone to him, we were literally 50% fewer people fixing the problem. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it felt really like awful that like we would, like stopping this guy talking to his mum, and it, it, his mum was unwell. So like it was a, it was like we did feel really bad. Um, kind of double wha double whammy. Yeah, and you're like, oh, gee, kind of sounds really ridiculous to say it, but you're like, oh, it's quite important that like I suppose your phone works if you actually, the one time you need it, you do want it to work. Um, if you're scrolling through TikTok whilst you're walking along the street, I'm less panicked about it, but. Yeah. Um, you do obviously want it to work. And it happens really, really rarely, but um, there's quite a lot of, yeah, I do feel really personally, uh, you know, like, responsible for if that kind of stuff happens. How does it impact it? I'm actually all right with it now. Yeah. Kind of, um, I guess every time it happens for the first time, you feel very, I felt very like, jeez, oh, I've never imagined that, like, this would happen. Mm. Um and yeah i guess kind of as you say maybe it's experience maybe it's thick skin maybe it's you you start to get a little bit less um panicked i guess you've just seen it before um do you get anxious uh i don't really get, i'm i'm very laid back and i'm oh, generally yeah. very positive yeah um and I think that probably helps. Mm. Um, I think if you're not like wildly optimistic yes. as a founder, you could, I think you're going to have a more difficult time 
Mm. Um, because like something goes wrong every day, obviously. Um, and if that is the kind of thing that really gets you down, I can see that'd be really hard. Um, I'm just quite excited that something happened. Really? Um, and that like, maybe hopefully we can stop that happening again. Mm. Um, so it's, you know, I don't, I don't get anxious about it at all. Like I, I genuinely like really enjoy it. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it differently, but there's obviously kind of frustrating things that happen that are hard work or are frustrating um that i guess you just have to mm. be all right with one of the interesting things i have kind of come up against come up against is the wrong phrase have been discussing on this podcast quite a lot is actually what it is like to be a founder and it seems like there's a very warped view out there of what it's like to be a founder, probably because of the glitz and glamour of exits, IPOs, ringing the bell at the NASDAQ or wherever it might be, and going, fuck, we built a unicorn, we got XYZ on our cap table, and everything is hunky-dory. <clears throat> but it's not like that at all, right? Um, no, no, it's not like that at the moment. Um, it's just, quite a lot of the time, it's just quite boring. Really? Um, How so? We just running a business yeah like maybe it's the nature of like the bits of the jobs that i do but you know you have to do your accounts you have to do a vat return you have to check there's enough money in the bank account you have to order the coke to go in the fridge like i think there's a lot of and maybe this is like a me thing rather than a founder thing but i feel really bad giving the tedious jobs to other people in the team and so i kind of end up doing a lot of those i end up doing a lot of those like ordering the coke for the fridge um where i'm like oh it's kind of a boring job like why why do you feel bad about that? i'm just like oh, it's a very boring job isn't it no one no one comes to work to do that um i admit some people come to work to do that but no one in the team that we hired was hired to be like a coke um, stocker a coke stocker um and so like all the kind of random little jobs like that i suppose end up falling back on me and so you kind of get to the end of the day you're like had a really odd day like i asked someone for a million pounds I ordered some Coke uh, and I found a missing comma in 400 lines of code. Oh. <laughs> and you're like, that was my day. Cool. Good. Wow. It's gone well. Really? Um, and it's, so, yes, it's not like this sexy job that I think people think it is. Um, I'm quite, like, one of my close friends is a, um, is a founder and he'd been doing it for about five years before I got started. So I kind of, Mm. seen his um journey and so I, I hope i had fairly realistic expectations of what it was going to be like um what i hadn't anticipated was like particularly doing a consumer brand or a brand that has like a consumer footprint um is that people do customer support at not nine till five no um so you want to build a brand that has incredible customer support, which we do and we do. Um, you, you do a lot of evenings and weekends just talking to people where stuff's gone wrong, which is like not the conversation you want to have when you're like, oh, it's a 
Friday evening and I'm getting ready to go to the pub and we've got thousands of happy customers, but I'm speaking to the one person who's having a really miserable time today. Um, so you only ever hear like the most, that's not true. Sometimes people get in touch to be like, Hey, everything's working great. You're mm. like, this is awesome. Mm. Also, I didn't need that customer support conversation, mm. but thanks. Does it ever um, impact your marriage? Uh, yeah, it's definitely like, um, uh, there, um, like I need to go and collect a chair on Saturday, but I'm also doing customer support on Saturday. And so like, I'll be driving along and my phone will go buzz and I'll probably ask my wife to do some customer support. Wow. Um, we were on holiday once in France and one of our investors got in touch being like, Hey, um, my, my phone's not working. This is the only thing I talk about, isn't it? My phone's not working. And uh, I was like, oh my God, Sarah, it's a really important investor. Can you speak to them? And I like dictated this message. I was like, you should, you should explain who you are. She'll, she'll think it's moderately amusing. Um, and the investor was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't want to interrupt your holiday. Lovely to speak to you, Sarah. I'll leave you alone now. But she rang you up. This was all on WhatsApp. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that happens more often than. Is I she, think would be nice. Is she okay with it? Uh, she is supportive of it, yeah. yeah. Um, I think we both would be delighted if I did less. Really? Yeah. Um, what does doing less mean? Well, she works really hard, but it's, um, it's different um, to being a founder, I suppose. Um, and... Uh, like yesterday I did less hours for sure. Um, but it, it just never stops. Mm. Like it's really hard to, um, switch off in, in like the short term. So a bit like if you go to unplug next week for three days, like admittedly without a phone, maybe it's different, but it's hard to like completely unengage in a really short space of time. Like if I go away for two weeks, I can like, mm. I can switch off. Um, but if I'm away for like two days, I cannot do anything as right. in, I cannot open Slack. I cannot open my emails. I cannot open my laptop, mm. but I'll definitely still be kind of like whirring in the back of my mind. I don't think it ever stops. I don't think it should. I think that the compartmentalization of Work-life balance is bollocks. Yeah, I, I think there is no... I think you have to learn to dial it down and you have to learn how to accept that it is always going to be there. And equally, partners, wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands or founders, they... they, they they, there's, there's an interesting dynamic, I think, because I see a lot with Abby. She, she, she gets it and she's like, she's like fully supportive. But equally, when I'm doing too much, she says to me, hey, you've been here before. <laughs> like, you've been at the point of looking over the abyss because you've been doing too much. Yeah. And then I dial it down. But equally, she's, I think there's, a, there's an acceptance that I'm always going to be thinking about this. And so, for example, next week, like, I'm actually excited to think about the business. Yeah. But in it, in a field with my stinking 10-year-old dog Beautiful. and my lovely smelling fiancé <laughs> <Good, good laughs> in a safe. very small shack. 
but being able to actually accept that I won't probably switch off. I will be in different states yeah. of of enjoyment, flow, happiness, a lot of pondering, a lot of pensiveness, if that's a word. Um, and and I can enjoy that. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's a very good way to look at it. I think people bang the drum like working work life balance. It's 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 not true. No, and it, I think it, not you, even for founders as well. It's just yeah, not I think true. if you're looking for it, like it's kind of it's almost gone wrong. Yes, like it's it's an acknowledgement that like how it is isn't working, mm. um, and I I don't think yeah I don't think you can I don't think it's the right way to look at it as you say, mm. um, and I think partners are also like what does Abby do? Yes. She's a lawyer. Great. Uh, like a very, I think often they say, you know, the partner of a founder has a very important role to play. That? Could you try again? Oh my God, <coughs> will you shut up, Siri? <laughs> Siri wants to get involved. Siri is super keen to get involved. Siri's loving this podcast. Don't know how to turn her off. Um, anyway, <laughs> Abby is a very sensible lawyer. Yes. Possibly not sensible lawyer. No, she know. is a very sensible lawyer. Um, Lawyers generally are pretty sensible. There is that. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Um, but I think often, you know, um, it's a really important role. Like, um, it would be much harder for you or I to do our jobs if we didn't have the support. I think it must be crazy to have two founders in a relationship, I guess is what I'm saying. I sat here with James Pringle from Portfolio Ventures last week. Really great guy. Yeah. Uh, turns out we're very like crazily similar but anyway it's a side point he is obviously a two-time three times ex-founder and is now has now founded a company even though he's joined portfolio he's coo of Nachi. i'd forgotten but yes yeah um and i was like how does that even exist at home and he was like it, yeah it's it's a lot get home and it's Nachi. and i'm like wow that that's it. That is two different businesses, or or two founders living together. Like that's, you've got some serious. That's that's a lot of effort. Yeah, um, I don't know how I don't know how they do it personally, but that's because I I quite like. I don't switch off, but I quite like downtime, and just like not talking about <laughs> work yeah. when I'm at home, unless it's like absolutely critical or unless. Investors have said no to me, and I said, "Abby, I really need a beer." That's fair. Yeah. Um, so I think they have, it's a really important, like, sounding board role as well. Actually, 100%. like, I think people have different approaches to it. I know one person who really hates talking to their partner about work, um, which is fine. Um, but like a lot of our like, what maybe the team thinks are my ideas are actually mm. not my ideas at all. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, from just being sat around at dinner chatting about what happened or what we're trying to do. And suddenly, you know, someone who's been there the whole way through um, is like, well, why don't you do that? And you're like, oh, my shit. Well, that's a genius idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're like, how did, how did I not come up with that? Um, how long have you been building on this mobile for now? Four years. Like four years. Four yeah. years, yeah. What would you say to 
uh, Andy four years ago? What like what piece of advice would you give Andy four years ago that you you know now? Someone asked me this the other day, and I'm gonna say the same thing. Oh, someone stole my contact. Someone stole your question. I'm sorry. It was even on another podcast. Um, and I honestly don't think I'd. I don't think I'd change anything. So I don't think I've got like some big piece of advice that would make a massive difference. Um, I think there's stuff you learn along the way, obviously, that you get better at. So just getting stuff done, I think, is really important. Like I think at the start, we were quite like, let's write a plan. Spend a lot of time writing a plan. And let's do a bit more planning. And then you like, eventually you're like, oh, cool, wicked, we've got a plan. Is that the strategy consultant in you? There might have been a bit of that. Yeah. Um, and then you're like, okay, cool, we've got a plan, we're going to do it. And yeah. then you get started and within about 20 minutes of getting started, you're like, well, this doesn't work. <laughs> um, so true. And you're like, okay, cool. So yeah, I get it. Like there's things like that, but I think in a way, like you can't, you can't kind of second guess how it would have been if you'd done it differently. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure I'd... I'd I'm not sure I'd change anything. Um, yeah, I mean, advice. I don't. I don't feel like I've got a lot of advice to offer anyone. Um, you 100 percent do. You're just incredibly modest. Oh, thank you. Um, I don't. I have. This is what happened last time. I was like, yeah, really? I, don't, I don't have any great advice for myself. Interesting. Um, I'm sort of like. Quite okay. happy Let, let's, with how it's gone. Let's actually extrapolate you from this equation and put me in there, and I'm a new founder, right? Uh. And I'm sat here going, Andy, <clears throat> like, what do I do? Like, how have you found this? What would you say is the most critical thing for a founder to look at? I think it's finding finding the problem. Like, I think we were... Um, we kind of... Well, not kind of. We worked out that people hated their mobile networks. Um, but like finding the very... But that's such a broad thing. Like you can ask anyone anything and they'll say they hate. Yeah. They'll say they hate something if you ask them. Million percent. Um, and so there's probably more to do on like unpicking that very specific little piece of that problem that you're going to fix and exactly how you're going to do it differently mm. that makes it better. Um, and I think, yeah, kind of finding that niche, um, is really important. And like I was speaking to someone at an event the other day, he was like a 18 year old who just left school and he was like, um, he wanted to set up a, bizarrely, a telecoms business, um, an internet of things business where he was going to, he wanted to build sensors to put into farmers fields to like measure rainfall and like help farmers work out how to manage their crops better. Wow. I was like, that's amazing. I don't know how you came up with that, like as an 18-year-old um, who lives in central London. If you lived on a farm, I could see mm. that. But um, And it's like, it's so specific, but also there's so many businesses that actually do that already because um, we happen to know them because all of those little sensors need SIM cards in them. Um, and so it's like, well, what you know? what's your thing going to be that's different to the, 97,000 other um, versions of a very similar take on the problem. Um, and and yours is actually offsetting carbon footprint, right? Yeah, as is around. And how do you measure that from a telco perspective? 
Um, we so there's some very good science done by Mike Berners-Lee, who's Tim Berners-Lee's brother. Really? Um, so Tim Berners-Lee invented the internet. Mike Berners-Lee is a world-leading climate scientist, so very high-performing family. Um, and Mike wrote a book a couple of years ago called How Bad Are Bananas? And it looks at like the carbon footprint of everything. Well, not everything, but lots of day-to-day stuff to help people understand like, should I have asparagus? No, it's probably from Peru and probably flown to you. Should I have um, a banana? Banana's good. Um, and one of the things they look at is, you know, using your phone. So what's the carbon footprint? You know, there's loads of stats that go around about like, if everyone sent one less email, we'd solve the climate crisis. It's not quite like that, but there's a lot of kind of big old stats that go around like that. And so he looks at, you know, what's the carbon footprint of a text, of a uh, phone call? Of, what is the carbon footprint of a text? Ah, oh, why would you? I think it's 0.0014 grams. Sure. But what actually is that? Oh, but what ha- what's creating that? So, Correct. Um, effectively running the data centers right. that transmit okay. it, running the masts that power it. And so it's not that your one text message necessarily had an incremental amount of carbon. Sure. But that to power the of course billions of texts, billions of gigabytes of data, billions of phone calls that happened last year. There's a lot of electricity. There was a lot of electricity yeah, used. Yeah, yeah. And if we divide through, you can work out conceptually what was the footprint of each of those things. And so that's exactly what he's done. And sure. so we use those numbers and work backwards to say, well, we know that you sent 28 texts last month. You spent four hours on the phone. You did 100 gigabytes of data. You've got an iPhone 12 and we sent you a SIM. And so we know the carbon footprint of that SIM because we manufacture them. We know the carbon footprint of sending it to you because Royal Mail tells us. We know how much data calls, texts you did. Um, And we then calculate it and remove it using tree planting, biochar, and direct air capture where they suck carbon out of the air and pump it into the ground as stone, which is really cool, but really expensive. Mm. Um, Yeah, and so, so we've tried to be at the front of sustainability in telecoms and you know, your phone is probably, or your phone and your usage over the course of a year is probably in the region of like 70 kilos of CO2. So it's not massive in its own right, but there's 90 million phones in the UK. Um, wow. And so at an aggregate level, there's predictions that say, you know, the internet and people's phones, which is how people consume most of the internet these days, particularly in other countries, will be 14% of global emissions by 2040. And so it's like, it's really meaningful. Christ. And so like you, you know, the kind of the example that everyone used during COVID was, hey, like there's been this great reduction in CO2 because rather than flying to Hong Kong for a one hour meeting, people are having Zoom. Mm. And they're like 100% true, like definitely massive benefit. Um, But it doesn't mean that Zoom or your mobile doesn't have a footprint in the first place. It's just that it's smaller than a first class flight to Hong Kong. Um, And no one in the industry is really like engaged with it that much. Um, O2, to their credit, is aiming to be net zero by 2025, which I think for a massive corporate is that's huge, really impressive. Um, can I ask they're you, now only 18 months away. Can so. I ask you a question? Which I don't, I don't want to come across as like um, a bit of a gotcha question or a bit of a dick question, but I generally, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I generally am interested by this. Uh, after what you said earlier about finding that niche. Is the carbon footprint offsetting element to the company 
was that devised post-conception of the idea to innovate in telco as a way to differentiate yourself from other brands? I don't want that to sound cynical, as if like... What's great is that it wasn't, so... Right, okay, I, I just, I just, I'm interested to know whether you're like, oh, actually, do you know what, how are we going to be different, okay, so we, we never, could do this. We never thought it would be a niche thing that we talked about, so we decided when we incorporated that we wanted to be a B Corp, and that we wanted to be, we called it carbon neutral at the time, because the language has evolved, um, and so we did those things, we just did them. Um, we never thought we'd talk about them. We thought it might be like an employee brand thing. Um, we just thought it was the right thing to do. We were like, we're not looking to be horrible business. We want to be a good business and we want to be a successful business. But like, there's a couple of things that we want to like cement into our core. Um, and so we never really spoke about it. Mm. It was in the footer of the website and that was kind of it. Um, and the more we started to win customers and like speaking to them and asking them why they'd signed up, they were like, oh, well, I really wanted a, a net zero or a carbon neutral supplier. And we were like, oh, really? amazing. Um, so we now talk about it a lot more, but I guess what we've always wanted to be is a great mobile network that's, that's sustainable yeah. rather than a sustainable network that is actually quite shit in every other regard. Mm. Um, and so we wanted to be you know, we wanted to have great customer support. We wanted to have a great app. We wanted to have great signal quality. We wanted to um, have really competitive pricing and be net zero. Whereas I think what, I think a trap that some brands fall into is they're like, oh, well, we're really sustainable. So that's awesome. But our product's actually pretty rubbish. Mm. Um, and like, I just feel like that's the wrong way to achieve a long-term change because... You know, ultimately, if your product isn't that great, your customer's probably going to leave. And if you're the only person in that market doing something sustainable, it's kind of, it's over. Yeah. Um, whereas if you can be an awesome product that people want to switch to just because it's awesome and you're more sustainable, it's like mm. wicked. If mm. someone wants a sustainable product, they can choose us and it's awesome. If we're just winning people who aren't that interested in sustainability, but uh, want an awesome product, then they're also great. And they're being more sustainable. And that's how we see like showing the industry that they can move quicker and do more is by, I guess, um, showing them that people want it, mm. whether that's better support, whether it's better sustainability. Um, and when we, when we made our like net zero commitment, we actually got a message from O2's sustain, sustainability team being like um, challenging some of what we'd said and also in their defense, correcting something that we'd said about O2, we'd got a, a word wrong. Um, and it was quite interesting that like having never heard from like a big operator before, suddenly mm. we obviously stepped on a toe that mm. um, someone cared about. Um, that's, that's nice actually. It was, it was, it was quite fun. Yeah. Like interesting. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. I think people say you shouldn't find things fun that are serious, but it was fun. The fundraising climate at the moment is mental, right? Um, how have you found fundraising throughout your company um, life cycle? Varied, I guess. So, so I'm an accountant, so I'm like kind of conceptually comfortable with big numbers, um, which I think some people like really struggle with. Like I think people are like, I couldn't possibly go and ask someone for a hundred thousand pounds because that's like an offensive amount of money, um, which it, you know, is like a blocker for some people. Um, so that wasn't one for us. Um, we were, really lucky that we had we could do like a very early friends and family round um 
which meant that we were like never destitute as a business once we cleared the credit card debt. Um, we did a pre-seed round basically in peak COVID, which was poorly timed. Um, <laughs> and, and now we're doing our seed round in the middle of a down market. Um, <laughs> but like, I think, I don't know, I think founders and I'm doing it, like give themselves all these excuses for like why stuff's hard. Mm. And it's like, well, it is now. Like, I can't fundraise in 12 months' time because there weren't many cash left. And I couldn't fundraise 12 months ago because we hadn't done stuff. So, like, this is when we're fundraising. And if the market's a shitstorm, well, like, that's annoying. But you've got to get on with it. You can't change it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, to a degree, you've got to get on with it. And, like, that can be frustrating. Mm. But there's nothing we can do about it. Mm. Um, so, I'm sort of guess i try try not to like get too down it'd be really easy to get down in the dumps be like it's not fair that the yeah. market's crap right now yeah um mm. but it's just, it's just when you needed to fundraise you said you don't have and uh you're not very good at giving advice to people but would you give any advice when it comes to fundraising um you just expect it to take longer than you think it will even if you think it's all hunky-dory um don't expect the market to not drop out underneath your feet that was annoying um and it's really hard to like know what the right balance is between fundraising which is a full-time job and doing your normal job which for me is like a load of product work um because the product's definitely if i hadn't been fundraising for a few months the product would be way better but if i just done the product wouldn't have any money says so there's a real tension there and like people often say well you just have to do two jobs and it's like well yeah i do but like i can't just invent time either <laughs> um so so like i sort of yeah um there's a real tension there of like finding the right balance and i think if i did it again i'd do it differently and do maybe like a week on a week off or something or like i don't know how to i don't know how you'd part, like compartmentalize your time um, but trying to juggle, I've found trying to juggle the two at the same time to not be like, doesn't feel like it's been the most effective way to do it. Mm. Uh, but a, a bit like the fundraising climate, I'm not actually sure it's like credible to say, oh, I'll do a week of fundraising and then I'll stop and I'll do a week of product work and I'll stop that and then I'll do a week of fundraising. It's interesting you say that because I've stopped. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we did, I did six weeks. I, I've stopped for the last 10 hours. Just, I, just, I, I think there's a there's a good point around when you're... We, we've had a bit of pushback from the market um, and uh, if Nick Telson's listening to this as well, I'm not going to bang on about Luna anymore. Trust me. Uh, that was his piece of uh, piece of feedback he's given me recently about this podcast was like, stop talking about your company. So, um, yeah, I'll, 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 I won't go into this. But... <laughs> From my experience, I was like, did six weeks. I felt, oh, I felt a, a bit of pushback from the market around certain things in the company, and I was like, mm, okay, uh, I'm going to actually take two weeks off here, three weeks off here, and just reassess and not fundraise, and get back to running my company and my product. And I was like, wow, I feel good. I was going to say, how's it been? <laughs> yeah, it's been you know, the best thing I ever did. Uh, we 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 had. Um, we had some investors come in early into the round, which was great. Um, and 
Then we've had some pushback on market, market size, that kind of thing. And also my approach, um, which I think is healthy. So that's really good. Um, and once I realized that actually I probably need to tweak this quite a bit for us to go up, up a gear, um, take a step back and kind of be like, well, I'm not fundering anymore. It's like, oh God, you, you've not, that's not the way you do it. Yeah. And I think that's probably the biggest thing, isn't it? it there's, there's rules to the game, right? Got to close this. In. I know you're obviously closing it within a month, which is fine. Perfect. But we didn't start today. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when did you start? Uh, Last a while year. ago. <laughs> fantastic okay well you're closing at the end of the month which is wise um and i was a bit like well the rules of the game i don't know just play by your own rules and see how it goes you know yeah it's um it's one of the it is a frustrating bit of running a business is like the game around fundraising because you um you know you want to present momentum and speed and excitement but to get that, you have to do loads of work, which you're doing all the work before you've got that. And so you're kind of like trying to not tell anyone that you've not got it. Yeah. And then suddenly be like, oh my God, yeah, look. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I think everyone acknowledges and everyone knows, but everyone still does it. Yeah. So congratulations for not doing it. Who knows if it's going to work. Um, so yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd throw my hat in the ring with, people listening who are like, oh God, I'm really struggling with fundraising. It's like, well, it, it, it doesn't have to be done the way it's always been done. You can stop for a little bit, recalibrate and actually rethink things. And that is okay. Um, and I think, I just don't think people do that enough. No. Um, we've done 56 minutes, mate. This has been awesome. I've got someone banging at the window Really as well. saying, oi, get out. Um, I assume they're just like fanboying. Yeah, no, I maybe, don't think so. Maybe they're saying get out. Um, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and and being you. Um, My pleasure. Thanks so, for having me. Yeah, I'll uh, I will um, I'll stop it here and and say if people want to check out Honest Mobile, www.honestmobile.com or .co.uk. 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 Cool. Check it out. Yeah, check it out now. And oh. Use Nick Telson fifteen forty seven. Over and out. <laughs>